You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's episode 135 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, and I am Pimpcron, which is your host, in case you did not put two and two together. And we are brought to you today by GameMat.eu for pre-painted terrain and wonderful, splendid, adorable gaming mats. Don't know if adorable was suitable for that as an adjective, but you know what? We went with it, and now we're here. Also, our wonderful Patreon patrons, thank you for supporting the show. And what have I been up to? Oh, wait, what are we discussing tonight? We are discussing piety and pain, whether or not they want that or we want that not. And how to be a 40k politician or run a gaming group and some of the kind of rough decisions that you have to make in there. And, um, you know, one thing I did forget to mention in that segment, and I guess I'll just mention it here, is that another thing that you're gonna have to deal with if you're running a gaming group and being in charge of everything is to make sure everybody's conduct is on par. Because, you know, if you've got people acting a jerk to other customers or acting a jerk to the store or just acting a jerk to other players, you're going to have to at some point step in and kind of discipline. I mean, you know, say, hey, dude, we don't act that way or whatever. Um, Another thing I've ran into a couple times before and one of my personal pet peeves is that people will play their freaking cell phone music for the world to hear during a game. And I don't know why people do this, but we've had several people on several occasions They will turn their Spotify up as loud as possible and not wear headphones, and they will fill the whole room with the sound of whatever shitty music they decided to play. And it doesn't matter what they're playing, it's shitty to somebody. And we did not all ask you to play the music in this room. Please put headphones on or don't play any music, because it is obnoxious, just to let you know. Uh, Nearly no one in this group will agree on a proper music genre, so just don't play any or don't let me hear it. Um, I've had to mention it to several players in the past. Hey, can you please, you know, shut that off or whatever? And they look at you like you're a jerk, but it's something you got to do because it ends up, it sounds stupid, but it ends up being a not fun work environment for you playing games. And you're like, I'm sorry, excuse me, what? I can't hear you over uh, Death Cab for Cutie. What, what, what did you say? You know, it's just, it's stupid. So anyway, what have I been up to? Well, um... I played an absolutely agonizing game of 40k this week. Um, it's not my opponent's fault. It was Space Wolves versus my cast Space Marines. And I just rolled garbage. I just is one of those every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, four or five times a year, I will just go to the club and I will just roll garbage. I even used two different sets of dice and I just could not. I mean, he hit me with the flamer. And he did five wounds on my squad, and I have a three-up save, and I just I just rolled five ones and twos, <laughs> like <laughs> just damn it. It was a miserable game, but I want any of you to say that uh, if you ever say that I will not wait, if you ever say or suggest that I will give up on a game just because I'm not having fun, I will tell you right now. I will point you to this situation because. Boy, I just said this recently about the Black Templar, didn't I? I think I did for that tournament. But this is just another day, man. Woo! It was rough. And then this kid that I was playing with, I was like, it was at the end of turn four, and I was like 80% dead. And I'm like, so, you know, do you want to call it? Do you want to keep going? What do you want to do? And he's like, oh, I want to keep going. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're winning like 35 to 10, but okay, we'll we'll keep going. I didn't say that part. And uh, I'm not that passive-aggressive. 
And then, uh, you know, at the end of, uh, actually it was end of turn three, sorry. At the end of turn three, I was like almost all dead and he wanted to keep going despite winning head and shoulders over me. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm not going to be a poor sport. I'm going to keep playing. And then at the end of turn four, I had like a dreadnought and some warp talons left. Like that was the rest of my whole army. And he had almost his whole army. And I'm like, so look, you're winning like 45 to 20 now. Uh, You want to, you know, you want to keep going. You want to call it. And he's like, I'm going to keep playing. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) it was misery, but I'm not going to quit. I will not quit. So that was my week in gaming. And it was just, man, it was misery. One of those scenarios where you actually leave the gaming club depressed. It's just that, and everything at that point, by the end of the game, I was like, oh, you rolled, you wounded me. Well, let me just take these models off. I, I would roll the dice anyway, but yeah, I'd fail all the saves. Couldn't hit him couldn't wound him, couldn't, just couldn't do, just couldn't do anything. And that, my friends, is why brutality, um, you generally want to roll low, except for the times you don't. Because that way, if you're rolling high, you're rolling low, you're rolling one or the other. You know, if I was rolling really low, which I was, then I would be doing a lot more melee and brutality that night, because that's low rolling. But I'm digressing into another topic. So, um, there's some very interesting excitement going on. I, um, I am pushing ever closer to Pimpcron TV on YouTube and I will be making shows and things like that. It's still a couple weeks out because I was, um, animating a model, one of those Todd McFarlane toys. I painted and green stuff the hat on him and all that and made him into Pimpcron. So I was animating that crudely. And I was uh, making episodes and showing them to a couple of friends and whatnot. And they said it was okay. But then my friend TJ said, well, why don't you try v- VTubing? And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I really, I think YouTube's probably going to censor me if I try to put a vagina on the, on the YouTube. Like if I'm, I don't know exactly what VTubing is, but it's, I assume it's vaginal and I don't want any part in it. And then TJ was like, no, it's not vaginal at all unless you make it vaginal. No, he didn't say that. This conversation never happened, but he did tell me about VTubing. And essentially, it's virtual YouTubing where you have an avatar that is motion captured with your face and your hands and all that. And I got to tell you right now, it is not cheap. It is not cheap, but I am edging ever closer to having a fully rendered 3D Pimcron that is going to be narrating the YouTube channel and is going to be the mascot for it. And he will be motion captured to me as I talk and do things like that. So super, super excited about this. Um, the price tag is staggering to get this done, but, um, with the help of the Patreon and all of that, I'm, I'm going to be able to afford this. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it and uh, I'll keep you posted on that because that is, um, a whole new audience compared to the articles, compared to the podcast, a whole new article, a uh, new, new audience to reach. And I'm pretty excited about it. So, all right, let's get on with the show. We didn't actually have any letters this week, which saddened me. So please send me a letter at pimcron at gmail.com that includes the second P or pimcron uh, at the Facebook page and uh, send me a letter because I was so sad. I have no letters this week. All right, well, we will get the show on the road. Want that? or want that not.
Now is the time of the show where we discuss whether we want that or want that not, and this box of Piety and Pain contains two of my favorite armies, the Drukari or Dark Eldar, and the Adeptus Sororitas or Sisters of Battle. So, we got a lot of ladies in this box. Almost all of them are ladies, although some of the Scourges are guys, but the, uh, actually a couple of the Witches are also guys, but it's mostly ladies. So what you get in this $170 starter set is you have five Scourges, you have a Venom, you have ten Witches, you get the new plastic Lilith model, and it also looks like you get a Succubus, I think. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Nope, that was another Witch. <laughs> and <laughs> so five Scourges, a Venom, ten Witches, and Lilith Hesperax. On the Sisters of Battle side, it appears that you get uh, five Retributors and a um, Palantine, which is their leader there. I don't even know what a Palantine is. And then, of course, you also get a um, the tank. What is that called? I can't think of what the tank is called. Damn it. I'm, I suck at this. Um, ex it's not Executioner. What is it? The tank with the flamethrowers? What is it? The Emulator. There you go. It's the Emulator. And you also get two Armorium, Armorium Cherubs. Well, that's worth the cover price alone. So as far as price goes, $170 for this box doesn't seem too bad. Of course, GW keeps raising their prices, so of course it doesn't seem too bad. But $170 is not half off, but it's it's a considerable discount, because the Dark Eldar half of it is practically like $120 or something like that, um, not even included in the Sisters of Battle set. And I think the five Retributors are 50 bucks for Sisters, but anyway, it's really not a bad set. It's over $100 off, it appears, and, um, you know, that's that. As far as the actual models, none of these, except for the Palantine and the Lilith models, are new. There's nothing special about them. The five scourges still hold up really well. Actually, the whole Dark Eldar range holds up really well. Um, it all came out, pretty much all of it came out the end of 5th edition, beginning of 6th edition. And they, uh, the scourges look good, the witches look good, the venom, all of that. To be honest with you, I'm not a fan of the new Lilith model. Um, it could be the lack of thong. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not. But um, it's funny because when we were doing the uh, beauty contest between all the models with me and my wife and we went up to Lilith it was the old model of Lilith and one of the listeners Grendel one of our Patreon patrons messaged me and goes you know they do have a new model for Lilith because at the time I thought they had revealed one and he's like yeah but actually the new model doesn't look quite as good as the old one and I do agree the new model is totally serviceable it's totally fine but there is a little bit of character in the old fine cast model of Lilith that the new one is kind of missing. I don't think, once again, that it's a terrible model, but it just doesn't really do anything for me, to be honest. And I think maybe there was bonus points for the thong. I don't know. So, um, to be honest, this whole set does not strike me as anything particularly worthwhile. It's 170 bucks. And it's got a bunch of models that were already out there, so that's nothing special. And the Palantine does not interest me at all. And Lilith, I don't usually play named characters, so the Lilith model is totally fine. The whole box is fine. It's $170 worth of just fine. And 
<laughs> there's nothing to say about this. There really isn't. I don't know. I do technically have a sister's army. It's not assembled, but I do have one. and Or the start to an army, I should say. And I do play Drakari. So I could buy both of these, but I already own Witches. I already own Scourges. I already have two Venoms, and I'm not interested in Lilith. So personally, this set does absolutely nothing for me. $170. Um, I think it'd be really sweet if it was $150 or $120, but it's not. So if you happen to be able to find someone to split this box with, it is actually worth your while. But if you don't, then it's not. I don't know what else to say about this. It's really, I was hoping, I was digging into this set, hoping that it would really strike me. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta have this set. And it's just like, meh. I don't even see, now if you threw in some of the, um, what are those Dreadnought things? I'm I'm blanking here. The Sisters of Battle Dreadnought, the Penitent Engines and all that. You threw some of them in. Those are some sweet models and I would enjoy that. But just a couple Retributor ladies and a tank. Meh. And as far as the actual, um, the actual lineup goes, as far as if you were to take both these halves and actually fight them together, the Sisters of Battle set, I think, would probably lose, I think, because the Retributors are anti-vehicle, and the Venom is, like, practically not even, you can't even count that as a vehicle. Um, but the Drakari side of it, I don't know what the actual point lineup is, but the Drakari side of it has anti-tank options, which are the Scourges, and the Witches can put a hurtin' on something, you give them extra attacks or whatever, you you can definitely put a hurtin' on them, make them strength four with one of the combat drugs, and now you're wounded on fives, and when the number of attacks they get is nuts, not to mention Lilith, I'm certain, is no cakewalk in melee. So the Retributors are all like, oh, I'm gonna shoot my Flamers or shoot my Meltas, and most of everything on the Drakari side could not give a shit. So, now the emulator's gonna hurt them, or whatever that was called. I'm not looking it up again. But, uh, still, it's just, I don't see this as a balanced set if it were really a two-party, two-player starter set. And I just don't see anything interesting about it. So, if you totally are looking for the cheap, cheaper versions of these models, then go ahead and get it. But if not, I will not be joining you. This is a want-that-not for me. Just sheerly out of apathy. It's not a bad set. It's not offensive in any way. It's just kind of meh. I don't... I mean, they could have put any of the other units besides Retributors in there, and it would have been more interesting. Or, you know, I would prefer to have more bodies than the um than the tank. Keep the tank out of that. I know you're trying to make up some of your money by putting a tank in instead of models or whatever, but I'd rather not have the tank. So, either way, it is like a really apathetic want-that-not for me, unfortunately. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey everybody, it is the Pimpcron. Pimpcron, sorry, I've got to stay up with the times. It's Pimpcron now. And I want to discuss the politics of running a gaming club. I swear I have discussed this before on the podcast. I look back and I haven't. Um, the problem is when you get to 135 episodes and over 300, uh, 350 articles, all the topics kind of just start blending together, unfortunately. So uh, I do apologize if I've mentioned this before, but I don't think I have, not in full. So you know that we have moved our group many, many times. 
And um, I wanted to just discuss some of the things that go into making hard decisions for the welfare of your group and trying to keep your group alive. Um, many of you actually live in areas where there are tons of choice for stores, but we live in no such area. We have more chickens than people in the 100-mile radius around where I live, and that's not even a joke. We're like the chicken capital of the world or something like that. We have multiple poultry companies and uh, chicken raising in the counties around where I live. So, um, But anyway, we had... In the time that I have played this game, in a little over a decade, we have been to four different locations, and I will tell you exactly where they where they were in relation to me to illustrate how hard it is and how fragile our gaming community is. The first place that I ever played Warhammer in was about 40 minutes to 45 minutes northwest of me. I traveled that far to play Warhammer. Then we moved about 35 minutes west of me, and then we moved about 40 minutes north of me, and now we're currently back west, about 30 minutes west of me. So that is where we've been, but you see all those are pretty far rides. Most people, especially if you live near D.C. or a city or in the suburbs, you might have six different stores. Well, you realize that all of these stores we've been to, did not. many of them did not exist at the same time the other ones did. So uh, it's not like we had multiple choice. It was being that, you know, another store popped up and luckily... It popped up in time that we could move there once our other store, you know, fell down in flames. And I know this is going to sound stupid, but we only have a reliable eight people, eight to ten people that come each week for Warhammer. Um, it's lessened, obviously, with the pandemic and whatnot, but uh, we probably ultimately only have 15, 15 players total. And we get about eight to ten of them each week. And it's pretty scary trying to move your group because when people get out of their routines and their safety zones and things like that, then all of a sudden, oh man, I got to drive a half hour to a place or, oh man, this place, this last store was right around the corner from my house. Now I have to drive, blah, blah, blah. People are lazy. Even if they like the game, they may not travel that far. Now I've always had to travel that far because I've never had a store near me and that's totally fine. But a lot of people aren't willing to do that. It's funny that when we left store number two because uh, he was selling off-brand Beanie Babies and got tangled up in that mess. Nope, just kidding. He was into cocaine, and I've mentioned that before. Uh, <laughs> when crack cocaine destroyed our second store and we had to move uh, up to Delaware, we made the tough choice because there was a store in Salisbury um, west of me and there was a store up north of me. And... Um, we decided to go up to Delaware to that store north of me because they uh, most of our players, about three quarters of them, came from Delaware. So we thought, okay, what we're going to have to do, we know we're going to have some attrition, we're, we know we're going to have some losses, but let's move the group up to Delaware because hopefully we will retain more players than we lose. And we did lose some players from our group, unfortunately. And even though now we're back in that same area west of me that we were originally, uh they've never come back. And I don't know if they got out of the hobby or what. A couple people have stopped by by for one time. But, you know, habits are a hard thing to make and they can be fairly easy to break. And uh, if you don't fit Wargaming into your life, then you're just not going to have it in there because you have to physically force Wargaming into your life. It's like exercise or anything else. If you don't make time for it, you're not going to have time for it. And, um, Anyway, so that was one of the tough choices in running our group, is where do we move our group, because 
we don't want to lose anybody. I mean, these people are our friends. We're friendly with them. We laugh. We joke. We've got relationships with these people. But unfortunately, many of our relationships are only focused around wargaming and not around, like, you know, we don't go over to each other's houses for barbecues or whatever, because a lot of us have very different lifestyles and backgrounds. So that's not super conducive. You usually hang out with people that are a match for you in your lifestyle and your values and all that. Um, and otherwise, you have to have a commonality between you, like you're part of a rec department sport together, or you both like chess, or you, you know, just even bar buddies, drinking buddies. You know, you have to have something in common. So that was one thing. Um, making those tough decisions for your group is really, really scary. Every time we've moved, we have lost people, but we've also gained people. So it's it's very much a, uh, it's really a gamble and it's a scary thing, but we have survived so far. And our group has slowly grown, even though people come and they go and all that. But that is one thing that was really scary. Now, obviously, some of you come from areas where gamers are like a dime a dozen and oddly sold in bundles. I don't know how that's legal, but local laws differ on human trafficking. Anyway, like I said, my area is devoid of gamers for the most part. So over the years, I've made a policy of, quote, keeping 40k in the 40k club. There is a reason behind this, and it's not always popular, but it's another one of those hard decisions that I have to make in steering the club. And many times in the years past, including just even recently, um, we have other groups and other games and things like that that show up. Um, I say other groups, I don't mean other groups of players, but other groups of interest. So it could be, let's say, Necromunda, it could be Kill Team, it could be uh, Blood Bowl, it could be Brutality, it could be whatever. And the problem is, is like, if you have a set night and your group is based around Warhammer and around 40k mostly, we have Age of Sigmar too, but um, you really need to keep it that way because this is the dynamics and this is such a hard thing to explain to people because a lot of people don't understand. And I run into this with Brutality as well, because I have several players in our club, probably a third of them also play Brutality, maybe half of them, something like that. And the problem is, is that some people, they will get excited about one game, let's say Brutality or Blood Bowl or whatever, and they start breaking off from the normal group. So let's say, let's just do a thought experiment, okay? You've got 10 people in your normal group, and let's say that you live in a vacuum devoid of geekery such as ourselves. Well, you have 10 people in your group that come every single week for the ease of telling the story. Well, at least two of them are going to break off for this other game. Probably four of them, because you'll probably have more than just two people interested in, let's say, brutality. Well, that's all well and good if people get excited about other games. But the problem is, is if this is a 40k group, and Age of Sigmar, then you have to keep that as your primary focus. You can't let people just completely go off the deep end in hero clicks or whatever thing they want to go. They can have those interests, don't get me wrong. They can pick some other knight to go do that. But if they're showing up on Warhammer Knight to play other games, if there's not enough people or if the well of players runs dry for people to find opponents, then you're actually going to start atrophying your main group which is definitely a risk. So even with Brutality, like I limit myself. I am willing to personally play Brutality once per month on Warhammer Night. Unfortunately, I really don't have the time or the, well, just the free time to play uh, 
on more than one night a week. You know, I might have someone over to my house to play, but I'm not going a half hour over out of my way away from my wife and kids to play more than once a week. So I have Warhammer once a week and I go to that. And even as tempting as it may be, I keep brutality to a minimum. I try to get everyone in like, hey, who's interested in brutality? Okay, let's play on this one week this week. And even then, I may have to sit out if the number of Warhammer players is low. Like just this week, I have not played Brutality in a couple weeks in our club. And I had a player go, hey, um, do you want to play Brutality? And actually, I was really in the mood to play Brutality, to be honest with you, and not Warhammer. But I got looking at the, the list of people that had confirmed via text that they were coming this week. And I'm like, oh, damn, we only have three Age of Sigmar players, and we only have three 40k players. And these three 40k players have been playing each other for weeks, and I don't want them to get bored with playing the same exact players every single week. So, to be honest with you, no. I think I would rather you and I play Warhammer 40k and fill that pool with new players, you know, or fresh players, because I often play Age of Sigmar. And um, and it seemed like the players that were playing 40k that week were happier for that. And the same, I do the same thing for the Age of Sigmar players. If we only have, you know, one or two Age of Sigmar players show up, and they keep playing each other every single week, then I try to jump in and be the, the difference maker, you know, like the uh, tiebreaker or whatever. Because... Nobody wants to go to the same club every single week and play the same dude. Like, just nobody wants to do that. You could go home and play on a computer game if you want to play the same opponent all the time. So, as much as we like each other, and as much as we're friends, and everyone's friendly, and we have a great group, no one ever's arguing or bickering or anything like that, you still don't want to play the same exact opponent every week. So, I'm always asking, like, uh, this week, I've been playing Age of Sigmar every single week. So I have played my friend TJ like multiple, multiple weeks in a row. So I asked James, hey, James, do you mind playing Age of Sigmar? And I'll flip over into 40k, even though I actually wanted to play Brutality, but we didn't have the numbers to support that. So once again, this is not a Brutality group. This is a 40k group. So that's um, that's an interesting mechanic that a lot of people I don't think think about. Even if you are the one that runs your group, you might not want to make those tough choices and be the bad guy and go, uh, no, let's not play this other group or this other game, I mean. And uh, I actually recently had a, um, I just mentioned it, the the Blood Bowl group. Um, they had been playing quite a bit recently, although my view on it was actually kind of skewed because many of them had just missed out on Wargaming Night, period. So it's not like they were playing Blood Bowl instead of Warhammer. But when they finally did come back, they're playing Blood Bowl, and I'm like, guys, we're we're kind of drying up here. Our our player base is now like six people each week, partially because of COVID or whatever's happening. Um, just different seasons bring different players. You know, people have different um, busyness in different times of their life. But um, I had to just like gently. I wasn't trying to be an ass about it or anything like that. I just gently texted them and said, hey, if you don't mind, you know, try to play Blood Bowl like once per week or, or I mean once per month or something like that or just play on a different night. It's almost worse. It's almost worse for you to show up on Warhammer night and play a different game when all the other players are struggling to not play the same damn player every single week than for you just not to show up at all. Because if you don't show up at all, they don't realize that you have interest in other games. And it's a weird it's a very weird mechanic because a game 
a board game requires two players. I mean, generally, a board game like Warhammer or whatever requires two players. So you have to have other people interested in your game that you want to play in order to play it. So there's very much a social, like, mob mentality on that. And any aggregate mentalities, whether it be political or national or whatever, or in any group whatsoever, they will, it's kind of like balancing on a ball. It can start leaning very much one way or the other towards like, oh, well, gosh, no one plays Warhammer now. I guess I'll just quit because I keep playing the same guy every single week. When you see everybody else playing, let's go back to that example of 10 players. You've got 10 players and two of them are playing Blood Bowl tonight and two of them are playing Brutality tonight, and two of them are playing Necromunda tonight, and two of them are playing Kill Team tonight, what you end up doing, you splinter your group, and now you're five little groups of two people. And guess what? You're in the same boat as you were before all this, when just a couple people were breaking off, because you're like, well, gee, I'm playing the same dude every single week. And it gets boring. So the best thing to do, is have a set night of the week, and you play this set game. For us, it's Age of Sigmar and 40k every single Wednesday night. So when we do that, then you know what to expect, and you can show up, and you don't have to worry about getting a game, and you don't have to worry about playing the same person over and over, because you know there's a large enough pool of players that will actually be able to play you, versus everybody splintering the group into small groups. And like I say, um, a lot of times like this week, I would much rather play Brutality, but I know the lifeblood of this group is 40k and Age of Sigmar. So I told uh, the other player that wanted to play Brutality with me this week, I said, uh, well, you know, let's let's look for next week. If we have a good turnout for Warhammer, then maybe you and I will play Brutality because then they've got a big enough pool of fresh players to go ahead and play that and not be stale. So that's um, that's definitely something to worry about there. And going back to that group think, it's actually kind of funny. The leadership of a group, and I use that term extremely loosely because I organize the club, but I'm in no way a leader. Like, I'm not. Besides making some of the larger choices as far as, like, where the group should move, I'm not actually doing anything. We don't pay dues. We don't have minutes. We don't have meetings. Like, it's literally we show up and we hang out. So don't think for a second I'm trying to overblow my position here. But if there were to be a group leader, then it would be me, if you understand, because there really is no need for leadership. But it's funny because because I'm the one that organizes the group, I feel like maybe my opinion of things has bled into the group. Um, I go to different gaming clubs, and it always seems to be one sort of pattern, which I kind of think is funny. The leader of the group will never, ever have a contrasting outlook than the group itself. Which is funny, because either that means that the leader of the group ascends to match the outcome, the outlook of the group that was already existing, or the group itself slowly finds itself changing to the outlook of the leader. And what I'm saying by that is, um, certainly we do have a couple very competitive players in our group, but by and large, everybody is pretty chill. And also, I, I kind of help manipulate that in a way, because I'm the one that does the demos. So anytime we get a new player, I'm running the demo for them, and then I can initiate them in the way that we want to play as a group. And I'm not saying that I manipulate the players into wanting to play casually and just for fun rather than hardcore competitive, but it is weird how that is always a match. I've went to some groups that are hyper-competitive, 
Guess what? Their leader of the group is hyper competitive. I go to some groups that are super relaxed like ours. And guess what? The leader's really relaxed. Isn't that weird how that always happens? And I tend to think that it's got to be a certain staining or a certain tint that the leader puts on the group as far as their outlook and what they expect. And then if you're also like me and you're the one that is the demo player for new players, then you also show them, hey, look, it's about rolling dice. It's about having fun. And they go, which model should I buy? And I go, well, which model do you like? I mean, it doesn't, you know, and you don't put a whole lot of emphasis on, oh, well, shit. Okay, the meta is. And we actually have one player that I have to keep him away from the new players because A, he doesn't pick up on context clues. And when I'm fudging dice rolls on a play test or on a demo to make the new players have a good time, he's going to call me out on it. You know, you're actually um, AP3 on that. And I'm like, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> Where I'm just trying to have the new players have fun. And, you know, I'm, of course, trying to softball the new players. And then another thing is that he will corner the new players and go, oh, no, don't buy that box of models. No, no, they're, they're garbage. No, what you need is you need to get A, B, and C, and you need to get two boxes of B, and you need to get one of C, because currently in the meta, A and C are really good, and, and B will modify them, and blah, blah. He just starts, I mean, and I'm like, dude, these new players, I, I don't want them to be have that mindset. And what that new player will do is, even though people do have their own preferences in the way they play, that new player will join the group and number one, add their distinctiveness to the soup of, of community, but also they will also be flavored by the community they have joined. So somebody that is hyper competitive can be diluted into just more casual play where they have fun. And somebody that's really casual that joins a hyper competitive group will slowly find themselves being more and more competitive. It's just the way it is. So I apologize if I've rambled on this, but I have obviously a lot to say on it and a lot of thought is put behind it. So if you are the leader of your group, you definitely have tough decisions to make. And I think that it is a fun position to be in, but also you have to think about things and it's not always the easy decisions. So uh, sometimes you have to be, you know, like I just had an article this week about keeping your hobby space clean and how... I'm usually the one, although most of my players are pretty good about this, but you don't leave trash in your gaming space. Don't make your store pick up after your group. You know, I am always extremely conscientious about our group being inconvenient or rude to the store. And whether or not my players were already this way or whether they've gotten it from me or whatever, I don't know. But our group, unless it's an accident, never leaves trash, never leaves the place a mess and all that. And other groups do. The Dungeons and Dragons groups got kicked out of our store because all they would do is leave a pile of trash sticking out of the trash can, never change it, and never tell the store or whatever, and they'd leave coffee cups and all that on the tables, and eventually they got kicked out because they couldn't respect the area. And even after Shorehammer, you know, it's funny, I've had the Shorehammer, um, the hotel staff, tell us that we're the most courteous group out of everybody, and it's because after we're done picking up and all of that, we literally comb the whole big ballrooms that we rent out and we pick up any trash, we pick up any dice, we pick up everything. I mean, just try to make it nice. You should not disrespect the area that you're renting. And um, it's just all very interesting how the leadership can tint the view of the group. So anyway, that is basically 
being a leader and that's basically being a, a politician for uh Warhammer. Anyway, thank you so much to GameMat.eu for supporting the show and my beautiful, sexy, good smelling Patreon patrons. I greatly appreciate it. And I will see you next week. <laughs>